Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And it's Real Kipper and Bourne, Summer Edition. We're going to jam-pack as much as we can in one yes. hour. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick back in the circuit. And stepping in for Leaf Nation, Sammy McKee as David Sis Boom Bob. Look at him there in the McKee chair. Look at him. He's just... Big day. Hey. It's like he just gave birth. Look at him. <laughs> Look at how proud he is. He should be. Where is our Sammy? Oh, I'll give you one guess. It's it's almost June. Where? Why do you think he's missing our show? Because he's golfing somewhere. Is it a an event, uh, yeah. an, an official event, a Canadian event? Yeah, it's a legitimate thing. You know, he he does host the golf guys on the weekend for Sportsnet, and this is a um, Golf Canada event. I think he's got to show his face and. You, you got to be a part of that to get the swag. And Sammy's been, you know, pushing to get a free driver or something from yes. someone on the show. And this yeah. is the only way you got to be there. No, right? no, for sure. Yeah, so if there. it's for free, it's for McKee. <laughs> I like that. Yes. If it's for free, it's for McKee. It's yes. sticking. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, in about 19 minutes, we're going to welcome in Brian Burke. Wow. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure if we've heard from him, if he's gone on record since he's left pittsburgh or not but i'm really looking forward to this in about uh what uh 18 minutes now yeah so that'll be great we better get to it uh we've got world championships which always kind of gets buried a little bit this time of year for yeah under under the uh nhl stanley cup playoffs mm. but of course canada has a, has a great win, which is great, but the, the story's Latvia. Latvia wins bronze. Isn't that great? Their fans travel. They oh have my passionate gosh. fans. So we'll get into that as well. In the meantime, kind of quiet on the weekend for the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms mm -hmm. of uh, their search and Memorial uh, Day weekend in the United States. So yeah. that's uh, quiet south of the border, but... I assume that things should heat up again for Brendan Shanahan. Yeah, I can't believe anyone was acknowledging the holidays, whether in Canada or the U.S., in terms of the hunt for the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. There are no days off until that happens. Some reporting from Elliot over the weekend that, you know, Tree Living was a guy that they had met with a couple of times. Really nothing new that I've come across. I don't know about you in terms of people they're talking to or what may happen here. Sounds like everything we talked about last week, Duva seems like he's on track for Pittsburgh. Without anything concrete, where do you put the difference between someone that's available here and now or someone like Doug Armstrong who still has three more years on his deal? Mm -hmm. Is that for you a complete like wish list kind of, yeah. you know, hit hit – Hit for the home run here. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see that happen. It's, you know, you're in a bad situation if you're only hiring from a pool of five unemployed previous GMs. And I don't say unemployed disrespectfully. There's just not that many gigs. But it is a pretty limited pool, and you don't feel like you're, you know, you're getting one of the best ones in that case. So, sure, I would love to see them get a little bit more aggressive. But I wonder how much managing of things Brendan Shanahan is doing in the interim, you know, we had talked last week that he had already called the core four guys and kind of gave them some inkling that they may be back. You know, so I wonder if there is, he is kind of running things until. Well, it just to me, JB, 
That makes no sense at all. I don't see where the benefit would be. And is it semantics here where he kind of said, like, our intention right now isn't, and there's that famous word now, intention. intention. Yeah, my intention I'll, to sign, my intention not to I, trade you. Intention voids everything that it, comes after it. What a great word yeah. this time of year. Yeah, we intend to be employed next hockey season, by the way. But if Brendan Shanahan has told basically everybody and anyone that the future of Sheldon Keefe mm-hmm. is in the hands of, or not in the hands, but will not be decided until we get a general manager voice yeah. and the sense is that Brendan really wants, if not him to make the decision on Sheldon, then he would, his voice would weigh heavily in getting to that conclusion. So why wouldn't it be exactly the same for the core four? As in making decisions about who's going to go and who's going to yes. stay from Brendan. Yes. So it was, was it played up a little bit more about the core four having this like safe kind of it sounds like answer they think, to their uh, future. Last, last week, I think it was Chris Johnson had reported that they he thought the core four believed they were all going to be back. You know, they had once thought that they were going to be traded, and this kind of made them think they'd all be back together again. again. I, I, I don't see, I don't see Brendan Shanahan making them feel that safe. No, about their future. Well, what would be the point of making them feel that safe? If anything, here. You need the, to shake the tree. You need people feeling uncomfortable and unsafe and with pressure, right? For sure. Like there's no more coddling of anyone at this point. You have to, if you're the new general manager, you have to make calls on each and every player. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're not doing your homework. You're not doing your due diligence. One thing I'm excited to ask Berkey about today is this reporting structure. You know, like how much say would or should the president have in hockey decisions like the ones we're talking about here, Kip? And how much say would the board have in hockey decisions? Because it seems like at the end, that was the thing that drove Dubas out of here. Is that a, is that a wrong conclusion that I have? That in the end, the lack of autonomy, the lack of the, the struggle with that sort of structure is what drove Dubas out? Somewhere else? There seems to be a, a picture being painted out there that that's the case. Yeah. But for for Kyle, who had been five years as the general manager, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, another three or four as assistant in the organization. Yeah, you ran the Marlies when I was You've there. had 10 years to kind of see the way things work. And in the last second, bottom of the ninth, yeah. two men out, you are now trying to change the rules of of how things work. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when you're dealing, and this is a great conversation to have with Brian Burke yeah. in terms of, you know, how, how different is it uh, when you work for, like, say, one man? Yeah. Samuelis had Anaheim, right? Right. That's one owner. And he'd report to him as the GM. Walks up the stairs, gets a yes and no, comes down. Right. Do you think that's the way it worked for the last nine years for Kyle Dubas? Of course not. You no. have MLSE. So. I just can't imagine missing a deal because of that. Like, hey, 
You know, the, I'm just going to say that, you know, it sounds to me like maybe he could have got Ekholm once upon a time, but couldn't get the approval process. This is piecing together 300 rumors and, uh, you know, in, innuendos from people doing reporting. It feels like he couldn't get a D-man he wanted at some point. People are reporting that it was some big-name D-man, whatever. That's what it feels like to me. It, I find it impossible to believe that he could have had a guy and then said, I got to go to my board or I got to go to Brendan. Let me get back to you on that. Okay, and it, it took was, too it, long. It wasn't the board he needed to go to. He needed to go to Brendan. Okay. And then Brendan And Brendan needed... goes to the board. Okay. That's the way it works. But I find it hard to believe that he couldn't tell, again, say it's Nashville, David Poyle or Barry Trott say, I got to go through a process here. It's going to be two days to get you know an answer for you here. We're going to do this deal. I just got to talk to these guys. I can't believe you lost a player because of that. Even if you did, that's just the way it is. Yeah, but that's not cool. You I know, can't be, I know. You got to be nimble enough as Listen, an organization to get guys. If, if 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 that if that in fact is the case, then yeah, that's a conversation you should have in private with your you know a potential new contract. One hundred percent. You made our team worse because I couldn't do deals. There, there's also a reason why you know we are who we are, and this is the way it's run. Right. And yeah, there might be opportunities when you may lose a deal because of it, because it's such a machine here. It's a multi-billion-dollar machine here, and it's run much differently than Anaheim or Florida or yeah. other places. And either you live with it or you you walk. I guess I just find it hard. But yeah, it, but that's it's what not happened, a, it sounds it's like. Not a, it shouldn't be I also a, just don't think it shouldn't happened. shouldn't be a surprise after nine years. No, it wouldn't be a surprise, but you can see yourself getting fed up with it and saying, if it's not going to change, then I am going to leave. I find it hard to believe that MLSC being where they are after not winning a cup in, since 1967, they're going to be this company that lose deals because I agree of their red tape. I, 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 isn't the board I, I don't, three I don't people? buy it. I don't buy it. If there's yeah. a deal to be had and Brendan makes one phone call and says, here's the contract we're, we're bringing in and we need this done in 30 seconds. Yeah. I cannot believe someone at the board would say, no, we're going to check with our accountant first. Yeah. I agree with that. And so I, I find it. I don't necessarily think that that's accurate on how this all played out, but I, I do think that there would be frustration you know, with Kyle and wanting it to be differently, to be different, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. But, but yeah, for them to already have gone to those core four guys and say, hey, you're going to stick around or you'll likely be back, don't love that. I also don't, I also feel like it's borderline unfair that Sheldon Keefe is just like waiting to get fired. Right? And like, this has been an ongoing thing throughout the, uh, you, you look at any, firings yeah. the last thing they care about is whether or not someone has enough time to go find another job yeah it's like we're yeah. you've got another year on your deal you'll get paid but we get to we get to dictate for sure and it's it's all about us right now it's not about you and it's not about your family situation or what's best it's about what's best for us it's selfish mm -hmm. but hey some of these guys are paid two or three million dollars to deal with it. Do you think uh, Sheldon would be having conversations with other teams in quiet right now? He'd be crazy not to. Yeah. And you don't want to be disrespectful and you don't want to ever be linked to 
tampering. Yeah. But a friend of a friend could easily make some phone calls and start throwing some hypotheticals out there. Sure. Let's just say, Sheldon. Let's just say this happens. Yeah. Would there be interest right. in this person? If that happens, How yes. How much would you do it for? There will be. <laughs> and How many you know, years would you? A few people have accused me of saying last week that uh, Pittsburgh would have tampered with Kyle if Kyle... And if you you know if you said that Kyle's been had Pittsburgh in his back pocket, and it's like that's not the way it works. And right. I'm not accusing anybody of tampering. I'm just accusing somebody of maybe getting somebody to ask somebody to ask yeah, somebody. A hundred percent. Like what's tampering? If again, if this happened, and how do you think these things come together? Like. You can't, you're like, come on, people. Don't, don't You can't be naive on this. It's a schoolyard. Like, hey, um, if my buddy were to be interested in you, Julie, would you <laughs> possibly be interested in my buddy? The one thing you don't want to do <laughs> is be caught. Don't, don't get caught with the note in your hand. <laughs> That's right. Right? Nothing As you pass paper. it on through yeah. your grade seven class. That's right. Yeah, you know better than to leave a paper trail at that point. Exactly. Um, just heard... Also heard that uh, you know it. I don't think it's a given that like a guy like Mark Giordano will be back next year. Really, he's got another year on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Can you take a look? Sure. But there might be a suggestion that he might uh, hang it up. Really, that's interesting. Well, I mean, is he turning forty? Has so he turned forty? So he yet? has eight hundred next year at a hundred, uh, eight hundred grand. Okay. And yeah, I think he's Does pretty he have, close to. How old is he? He is age thirty nine. Turns forty this year. Turns forty in a few months. In a few months. Yeah, right, right before the season like, starts. Actually, I, I would think a guy like that, like he listen, he took some hard hits. Yeah. Was it Bennett that smashed him mm-hmm. into the glass? Mine, like. He's probably made seventy million dollars. Let's do. Let's check. Close sixty three. Okay. <laughs> he's he's doing very well. Okay. You want to convert that to Canadian funds? Yeah, that's right. Sure. So, at age forty, yeah. with a bright future ahead of you, do you want to take a chance of getting your head splattered in the boards again for eight hundred grand? That's a great question. You know, but people are different on that stuff. Like Andre Kasha played again last year or tried to, you know, like Kyle Pozo, friend of mine just signed another one year, $2.5 million deal to be the captain of the Sabres. He's had six concussions or something. and went to, I think, uh, anyway, he's, he's been through it. So some people just, they want to play, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're players through and through. Oh, so. no, a hundred percent. And I, I think that's, it's one of the things that, you know, Mark and his family got to really, sit down and yeah. ask themselves again whether or not you know it's worth it for another shot at it and you know maybe he'd be in a position to also say what's it look like next year what am i coming back to if if in fact but i outside of uh the, the number one concern would for me would be his his health and yeah knowing what's at risk to come back for another year yeah and you know for you the leafs and you know, he was so valuable all season long for you, but then you get in playoffs and, you know, was did he end up getting scratched one game or just seventh, seventh D some I think, nights? I think they went seven D. Yeah, and so, you know, you just felt like you couldn't use him 
the same way that you did. So maybe, maybe there's some mutual pause about that. We shall see. Um, I want to talk a little Dallas before we get to, uh, or anything else in the Leafs before we, uh, we turn that well, page. And just, the rest uh, of just touching on Elliot's report on the weekend as well about Kyle Dubas. Uh, it, he really gave us the impression that it's just Kyle's call right now. I was thinking on the way in, do you think that he would want to wait to accept it until the Leafs have a GM? Kind of like the Leafs hire a guy, all the attention goes to Tree Living or whoever, and then the next day or day after that, yeah, I don't Kyle see. Kinda, uh, I don't. I don't see any benefit. No. That's just a band aid that you're going to rip off, and you're going to get a ton of attention, no matter. You don't uh, feel like if it comes first, it's going to get all the attention. No, no. Yeah. Listen, at the end of the day, you know people are going to throw it in his face that uh, if I'm not here, you don't, you're not going to see me show up anywhere. Yeah. Like he, that one's going to. He's going to carry that one for a long time. So what's the yeah. difference between saying it next week or next month? Yeah, and actually you're probably better off just wearing it and explaining what changed in the circumstances. And Would it be a surprise to you if he takes it without, say, uh, or he takes it as a, as a president of hockey ops? That and, would surprise and, and me. Hires- He's going to be the GM for sure. For sure. Well, in terms of like, I can't see him accepting. Could he hire a general manager and be ab- above him? I don't think so. I don't think he could keep his nose out of it. He's too competitive. Like he'll want his daily imprint on deciding the roster. But you seem like you know something. No, no? I don't. Okay. No, no. I, I just, I, I threw it out last week that yeah. uh, Kyle would be someone that I would think would, would ask for the, the brass ring here yeah. from Pittsburgh. Oh, I can see that happening, particularly... Given their lack of negotiating position, Pittsburgh has basically said, we want you. Um, you know, what do we have to do to make this happen? I am curious to talk to Brian and just get his sense of, like, the Fenway Sports Group came in while he was president. Excuse me for asking you random timeline questions yes. while we're on air, yeah. right? It wasn't I, I think, in place before I, I his think hiring. He, I think he was there through the transition, the yeah. sale so I'm curious to know how that affected things there, whether it be with For reporting sure. or their view of the organization, because clearly they have some yep. idea of wanting to be, you know, now, the guy did, we talked did, about last week, Theo Epstein. Did you mention to me that we are going to see Brian Burke on uh, NHL Network? I did see that. I was Googling around and saw that he was supposed to be there. I'm not sure if he's been on yet, but we can fire that out there and see if that's part of his plans. Or You also mentioned uh, to me, and, and Elliot, I think, dropped this one as well. Uh, Blue Jackets may have spoken to Patrick Waugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. He's a firecracker. I think the league's better with him in it. I, 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 I think he's electric. So I want Babcock Good hired. Good or bad, I will, yeah. right? Just, he'll give us something to talk about. He's got an ego, and he's not going to like losing, right? So I'm curious to see. I would love to see that pairing. What are your thoughts on that? You think it's possible? You know what I, I like about Patrick is that he had some success. He won the Jack Adams, right, for Coach yeah. of the Year in Colorado, and then it got ugly real quick there. Yeah. To what extent, I don't really know where the disconnect happened between him and the organization, i.e. Joe Sackick, uh, ownership. I, I don't know. Yeah. But something happened real quick there. I just like the fact that the last five years, he's gone and worked with kids. Yeah. Right? He has a sense of who these players are now coming into the league. I, it's a real advantage. I think so. And, and they're winning. 
And how much has he learned or changed? I saw him do a, a media clip at the Memorial Cup. Ye old graybeard. He looks, he looks, you know, grayer or a little older, maybe a little wiser. Maybe a little calmer, we'll see. Hey, just like Brian Burke, our guest. A little older, a little wiser. Berkey, how are you? Good, Kipper. How are you? We're well. We're well. Um, have you spoken to anybody since uh, you left Pittsburgh? Or, you know, what have you been up to? I, everybody anticipated we'd see you on TV right away. Um, my, my good buddy here, Justin, says that still may happen with the NHL Network. Just maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the last uh, few weeks, a month. Well, the answer is I've talked to uh, Hexy and uh, talked to a couple of people who work for the Penguins, but mostly been uh, incommunicado. Uh, moved back to Ontario, and I'm just trying to. Uh, I had a knee replacement, and I'm trying to get the other one scheduled, and that's going to be in Pittsburgh, and we're keeping our place there for now. But uh, yeah, no, just uh, I don't know if I'm going back on TV or not. We'll have to see. I did a couple of days at the NHL Network. Really enjoyed that. I don't know if there's other opportunities there or Sportsnet or anywhere else at this point. Well, we would certainly love to see you around here, Berkey. Thanks for joining us today. Um, wanted to get your, I guess, just hear a little bit about how things unfolded there in Pittsburgh once that new ownership group came in for you there um you know did you feel things change as the new ownership took over did did that affect things for you there well first off justin thanks for having me on i didn't mean to ignore you i didn't know who was on i I called you jason Bourne. (laughs) jason Bourne a couple days ago oh boy um anyway thanks for having me on um no um what happened i mean the team got sold that's the third time that's happened to me where a team was sold when i was fired and you know, some relatively, in one case, days, one case, months, one case, uh, close to a year, I guess, after the team was bought. So I think we knew right away we're at risk when, a, when an ownership group comes in. And I want everyone clear on this. I said the same thing in Toronto when I get fired. The owners have the right to have whomever they'd like run the team. Right. Like, the fact that the team got sold doesn't mean it's guaranteed you're going to get terminated, but there's a good chance. And that's, they bought the team. They spent that money. They're entitled to have the people they want run it. So there's no issue from our standpoint that uh, a change was made, and it's kind of expected in a lot of cases. But um, no hard feelings that way. It's just we had hoped that if we had some success, we'd be able to prolong our stays there, but it didn't happen. Hey, Berkey, there's obviously a lot of narratives coming out of Toronto lately from pro Kyle or pro Brendan. Uh, but the one thing about Kyle is the stories out there that he didn't get to do things as fast as he would have liked, or uh, he needed more power or uh, the ability to make decisions quicker. C- can you speak of th- the difference between maybe just one owner? Like I know you had the Samuelis in, in Anaheim, or if you've got, you know, a complex uh, company like MLSE with so many divisions or the Fenway group and how that might have affected Kyle or, or anyone else in that position? Well, I don't know specifics on how they reported. I know with the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, it was pretty simple. We did have a board, and we met once a year with the board, but basically I told Richard Petty what I thought we should do. He might say, well, think about this, think about that, but basically – 
he was the conduit to ownership right up until the team got sold. So it was simple when I got there. It was a little more complicated after that. Um, here, you know, like the, from my perspective, uh, I don't know. I like both guys immensely. I think Kyle's a really good guy, and I know Sandy's a really good guy. Um, it sounds to me, just reading this from afar and not having any inside knowledge, but it seems to me that you had a process they were going through and they were moving toward an extension. That much was clear. That at least uh, right up until two or three days before, they had had extensive discussions with Kyle's agent and with Shani. So they were moving toward an agreement. And then it went off the rails. I forget what days, you know, Thursday, Friday, whatever. But Kyle met with the media and uh, became, he was clear that, look, I may not be back. And I think that was the first time, according to Chani, that's the first time he confronted that fact is, hey, we might be looking for a new GM. And I think right there the math changes. If you're if you're a, a team president, right there the math changes. If one of the guys that you work for, that he works for you, is your right-hand man, the most important guy in the organization, has just told you, I'm not sure I want to come back. So that was, I think, the first fly in the ointment, if you will. And then it went on, and they said they made they exchanged proposals, and that put two new things on the table. One is new, you know, terms of uh, employment in terms of money, apparently, and the second is no a new reporting scheme. So somehow streamline the reporting or make it easier, or somehow, but affect the balance of power. Now I will tell you from experience, if you're in the last year of your contract and you just got beaten in a playoff series that everyone expected you would win, and you want to discuss that after you've had lengthy discussions framing these issues. You want to put two new issues on the table. Oh, but by the way, I know we've gone down the road a long ways, but I want to talk about power, and I want to talk about money. That's really a problem. That's a huge problem. And it's a problem, even if it's not a problem for Shani, which it would be, it would be a problem for your owners. So then it sounds like some of this is just, um, you know, a bit of a power struggle. Everyone's been talking about succession, that show. This seems something similar there where, you know, battling for the, the top spot. Do you feel that there's any chance Kyle, something changed with Kyle, like maybe he knew Pittsburgh may be an option for him and that changes the way he approaches MLSE? Or um, is this just getting, you know, too too greedy, really? Well, that would be tampering, Justin. No one would do no that, one in our league ever, <laughs> no. no one in our league ever tampers. No. <laughs> that would be tampering. Right, right. Sorry. Sorry for the implication. No, I, 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 actually, I actually, in this case, I would say um, tampering might be an issue. I don't think so. Not with Kyle. I think Kyle's too honest. I really mean that. I think he would have gone into this and said, straight away, I'm doing this. I'm not, he even said, I'm not going to go somewhere else. Um, he's too honest. So I think, no, I think it was a good faith. I need to clear up these two issues. They were problematic and uh, blew up, but I don't think it was necessarily another suitor. Berkey, do you think that it is a possibility that Kyle may have lost deals because of the red tape? That that would be really speculative on my part, Kipper. The answer would be everything I've talked about so far has been pretty clear that people have stated it. You're easy, easy to draw a conclusion from it. But I'm not a, I'm not going to speculate and say, well, I, that might have happened. I have no idea. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the... You know, if indeed Kyle does end up in Pittsburgh, you might have some unique insight to the challenges that would face him this offseason. Um, you know, if he is, does end up there, what is he walking into for decisions and uh, power structures and all that there? Well, I, the, the time that I worked with Fenway, I, I found them to be forthright and honest and, and good guys. I had no issues with them. Um, I think they made up their mind on us and where we were going. Uh, much of the reporting since we got fired has been disturbing. Uh, there, there's been a real concerted effort on ownership or coaching staff or both to uh, tell this narrative a certain way. And I'm not going to engage in telling the other side of that story because that's just silly in my mind. One, I could say, well, what about this? What about that? That's just silly, and I'm not interested in that. But that narrative has changed. But as far as the my, my time working for them, I enjoyed working for Fenway. Berkey, there, there's going to be a new general manager. And, uh, you know, you're someone that's lived it here in Toronto. And what advice would you give that new guy about this market compared to any other? Is it just, uh, is it just wrong of him to come in here and think, hey, a job's a job? What's so different about here and the challenges well, you, you're talking, this sounds like cliches, but you can dig up my uh, the comments from my press conference when I was announced in Toronto. And I, I, as I told you, it's the Vatican. It's not just any other job. It's the New York Yankees. It's in Toronto. We all went to some remote village in South America and sat on the rock on the stone wall outside and watched this as people walked from remote areas. You'd see the first... Five things you would see where some a hat or a T-shirt or a blap would be Toronto Maple Leafs, Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, Boston Celtics, and then, I don't know, some Man U or someone else, right? Yeah. Some other thing that's popular globally. But you're talking a global brand. You're talking a famous, famous, like, like totally renowned across the globe. I remember... After we won the Cup in Anaheim, we opened the season in London, England. And uh, I went to the O2 Arena just to, to watch. I, I stood in the crowd and watched people walk in. And I would guess, and no one knew who I was. It was great. But I would, I would watch, and I would estimate there were 2,000 sweaters. Teams had NHL sweaters on. And out of that number, probably half of them, at least 1,000, but maybe half, were Toronto Maple Leaf sweaters. <laughs> And then the other common ones, like Montreal's common, Boston's common and popular. They're both real popular brands. But Toronto dominated, and we weren't playing. It was Anaheim versus L.A. It wasn't a Leafs game. There were 1,000 to 2,000 Leafs sweaters there. I've never seen anything like it in my life. The year we had that game at the big house, before I got fired, Gary Bettman called me and said, we're going to have a problem selling tickets in Detroit. Can you sell 40,000 tickets in in Detroit? for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I said, Gary, I'll need 48 hours. <laughs> call me back about a week. Call me back about a week later and say, what about 60,000? I said, well, I need 72 hours. We had ticket requests from 32 countries. The only people are going to fight to get that job. Yeah. You're going to have a first aid ward with people battered and bruised trying to get that job. So yeah, it's special. Now, is it difficult? Is it pressure filled? Was I able to get it done there? No, I wasn't. But I would still tell anyone it's a special place to work. I loved 
And Nikki knows this. I loved my time in Toronto. I loved it. Even though I didn't have any success with my D, even though it got difficult at the end, I loved it all. Well, it is such a, you know, a coveted position now. And like the biggest names that are out there are being tied to the job. You know, whoever it is, is going to take this job. And it's not like when someone can come in and say, I'm going to rebuild this thing. I need some time to assess. We're going to tear it down. We got five years. Like they may have to do something significant immediately. Where do you sit on the idea that the core that's been here that hasn't gone where people expected them to needs to get broken up? Well, again, I'm not, it wouldn't be tampering for me to talk about it now because I'm right. not employed by a team. But I would say this. I've been very open in real time during my time at Sportsnet about the big, the Fab Four, the Big Four, whatever, and the contracts they were given at that time. I called it out in real time, Justin. You'll remember that, yep. Nikki. You'll remember it. Yep. I said it was a mistake, the sequence they signed them, the amounts they paid them, the no trades, the terms. I went after all of that every bit as it happened. Again, it's real simple. When things don't work out, it's real simple to say, I told you, I told you, a lot of people didn't. I said it in real time. So, yeah, I think there's some real question marks about what they, how they put this together, what they do next. There's some time frames that kick in now. That's new. So new you know, contract uh, trade limits and what you can do and what you can't do all kick in. So it changes the timing of the new guy. But it doesn't change the difficulty of the job. This job is flat-out hard. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hard decisions to be made. You're capped out. You're a Canadian team, Canadian taxes. It's hard, but it can be done. And someone's going to figure it out there, and they're going to have a great time. Do you really think it can be done? Is it even fair to ask someone to come in and assess this and think that uh, you can have all the answers before July 1st when some of those no trades kick in? No, you don't have to figure it all out, though. You just got to figure out two things. What are the two things? You got to figure out what Austin Matthews, if there's no trade, if you're happy with that. You got to figure out what you do with Mitch Marner. As far as the others, they can all wait. There's no deadline there in my mind. The, the list of 10 teams on Nylander, I think, kicks in. So what? Okay, so. You need to get a trade made. So Marner, the Marner decision will look after itself once you get the Matthews decision, do you not? Yes. So what's so complicated? Well, hold on. If he signs, if Matthews is re-signing, then you think that's the decision you have to make is trade Marner? No, no, no. I'm saying that you probably have to trade Nylander or Marner at some point, but I think the pecking order would be that you would trade Nylander first out of that group. Yeah, it's a, a source of much conversation here in Toronto. Just, you know, does it move the needle enough if you if you move Nylander? But is, is Tavares' contract excluded from this? Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I, I, I really believe when you get a no-trade clause, that should be in good faith in general, mm-hmm. especially if you gave it to him. I didn't mind if there's no trade and I didn't give it to the player. We might have a discussion about waiving it. But in general, uh, if it's something I gave a guy, barring some catastrophe or real underperformance, and that's not happened here. Whether you like John Tavares as a player or not, he's kept his bargain here. He's worked his ass off. He's been yeah. a good player. He's a good guy. So there's no issue there. No, I think it, it comes down to Nylander. And Nylander, by the way, is a guy that I've been critical of on TV. Um, I think he's had two back-to-back spectacular years. 
So I think he's he's finally worth the money. I think it took a while. I think he's finally worth the money. I think he's tradable. And then the last big decision would be there's still an employed coach. And Kip and I have kind of gone back and forth on this. I kind of feel like it's a strange position for Sheldon Keefe kind of waiting to get fired. Do you have any any issue with the way this is kind of playing out for the Leafs coach? Well, that's part of being a coach. That's the unfortunate side of this business is that this uh, a guy is going to have to wait out that decision and see what happens. And that's unfortunate. Like when a guy's hanging in the balance, the one merciful thing in Pittsburgh was we were fired on the spot the next morning. Yeah. But as far as, uh, as far as the, uh, you know, the, what happens next with the coach, um, he certainly is winning percentage. Like here's the thing about selling Keith in my mind. He's been a winning coach everywhere he's coached. He's had a good record as a coach. He's done a good job in Toronto. I don't think that's a priority for anyone who's looking to bring in a new GM. I don't think the coach is a priority. Hmm. We only got a few minutes here, Berkey, but I I just want to touch base because people have often asked me about playing for you. And the one great thing about having you uh, is that, you know, you're, you're watching my back and, and anyone else's who's on the ice. And that's been your, your forte throughout your, your career. Um, you get to Toronto and then it's a different beast, as you just mentioned. And there were times, Berkey, when I watched you and you got into a few battles with a few around, <laughs> either through the media, Toronto Sun, Star, I'm not sure, Hockey Night, but you, 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 you went to battle. On a, on a number of occasions, either for your players or for your club. Is there anything that you regretted back then or just felt like, no. you know, no. you, 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 you went too far. It's too big of a beast here. You know, how thick is, is no. how thick does your skin have to be to, to be a general manager or president in this town? I, the, the fights that I had with the media were almost always brought on by, by someone in the media. And almost always involved one of my players or the team, not me. Like, if you read back these horrible criticisms of Brian Burke, I seldom responded to him because I don't care. Like, Pat Quinn taught me that. My first year in Vancouver, 1988, Tony Gallagher wrote something that really hurt my feelings. I was really sour and down about it. And Pat called me in and said, you can't do this job unless you learn to ignore that stuff. So I've never paid any attention to it. But the fights I had were always on behalf of a Phil Kessel or Dion, and always on behalf of my players or my team, and I'll happily resurrect those again. No regrets that way. I would take back a couple things in my life. One was losing my son, but no one can do anything about that. But as far as the way I ran the team, we probably made some decisions too late, probably didn't deal with the no trades and the different issues too soon, uh, soon enough, but I'll dissect that in my next book. So, Berkey, I'm guessing you uh, are the rare person who may not have had a problem with Kyle Dubas going at it with the fans in uh, in the first round against Tampa Bay? I wish I'd have been there with him. I'd have been throwing stuff at him. <laughs> I love it. Like, you, guys, you, guys, you guys know where that press box is. They're right in your face. Yeah. And everyone thinks Tampa's a mellow audience, and they are mostly. It's a great audience. But they got on me a few times, too. I barked at a few of them. There was some choice language use. <laughs> Boy, I wish we would have had two hours today with you. Um, love, love our conversation and uh, ample reason why we got to get you back on the air. Well, I appreciate it. it was good talking to you both. Thanks, right. Berkey. Appreciate your time. That is Thanks. former NHL president of hockey operations, general manager, Pittsburgh Leafs, Canucks, Ducks. Man, the man is 
done it and lived it. I think that's a top 10 interview for the year. That was pretty good. Yeah. That was really good. We should probably break, though, so we don't run out of show. All right. You heard my co-host taking a break from the Real Kipper and Born show. We are back after these words. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, like we said, jam-packed hour. JB, what do you have for us? It is time for playoff picks presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. Um, You know, coming up here is a large game six between Dallas and Vegas. Uh, Vegas right now, the underdog at plus 110 on Bet365. I do have, I cooked up a little parlay for myself tonight, which is simple. I got under six and a half goals parlayed with Jamie Benn over one and a half shots. Uh, that's a plus 125 payout. So basically my thought is five, four of the five games in the series have been under six goals. The only one that wasn't was game one, went to OT, went uh, seven goals. And Jamie Ben's going to be refreshed and embarrassed and shooting the hockey puck. Because I have no idea who's going to win this. I don't know. These these two teams are pretty evenly matched to me. It is. Did you, did Vegas give Ottinger a window here to get his game going again. Yeah. Somebody gave me He's a cooking. stat. Somebody gave me a stat about how he finishes series compared to starting them and his save percentage just goes through the roof right now. Yeah, he's played five elim- elimination games in his career and I think won them all with like 960 save percentages. So, yeah, tough to bet against Dallas. If you do like Vegas, um, Bet365 has another pretty good one, which is just betting Vegas, plus Alex Petrangelo over uh, 0.5 assists and March or so over 0.5 points. So those two guys get a point, and Vegas wins, plus 550. So, you know, there are ways to bet Vegas and get paid pretty well. So but- when, when when we were talking about the Leafs being down 3 nothing, uh, what, what did we say it would be the fourth or fifth time in I think history? it's happened four times in history. Okay, so it would have been the fifth time. Yeah. So now Dallas has a chance to be the fifth. Yeah. Dallas is sniffing around here and, at home tonight. And Ben back. On, on the weekend, we saw the Boston Celtics hang in there. God, Boston. They just win all the time. And that's never been done in the NBA. Has it never been done? David says, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right. Because, you know, in, typically in, in basketball, the favorites are heavier favorites, right? You can control the – you put the ball in the best guy's hands. I can yeah. see why that would happen. Yeah, Miami is uh, backs against the wall. So, Aiden, yeah. Aiden Hill's been unbelievable. Right, but the longer the series goes on, the more it's like Aiden Hill is a third stringer yeah, and Jake Ottinger is one of the five best guys in the league. It's called um, – Cinderella. Yeah. And Cinderella. T- <laughs> and you're getting the closer to midnight. Into a pumpkin? Yeah, I, I think so. Right. Um, I, I do think that Dallas is going to make it hard, but I think it's going to be low scoring, you know, because I do believe in Ottinger and I think Vegas will make a good push. So that and, has been playoff picks yeah, presented and, by Bet365. Visit sorry, the app for the latest. You, you said Ben on two, uh, a point and a half. If Ben gets two shots, two shots. And Dallas, uh, or sorry, and the score, total score is under six, six and, and a half. half. Then you win plus 125. It's a pretty good bet. Pretty good bet. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, do you think, I saw someone write me today and was like, hey, should Dallas put Jamie Ben back in after his suspension and they've won two games in a row? 
Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the captain of the hockey club. He is. And he's, he's going back in. He's, he's turned himself into a, a player in the last year and a half, two, two years, because there was that window where him and Tyler Sagan were like, how do we get rid of these guys? Yeah. Brandeo tells me the Celtics are the fourth Celtics team are the to take it seven. Fourth team to take it to a game seven. No one has actually overturned a wow three zero deficit. Yeah, that's wow. pretty cool. That's huge. So I I have a theory that I'm curious to get your thoughts on as someone who's seen Stanley Cup final or playoffs all the way through, played in it, covered it, whatever. That I don't want to say the intensity slows down now, but I think the you can't keep up the pace of that first round. Do you know what I mean? Like people are hurt Always and tired out of a cannon. and just like, it's hard yes. in this back half of the third round. And to me, Jason Robertson, who had a really slow start, wasn't good yeah. for a while is yeah. kind of coming to life. He scored, I think four in the last five games. Yes. Uh, Jack Eichel has been very good for Vegas, you know, as things have, I wonder if players like that, who are more skilled guys have a better chance to shine later in playoffs as attrition sets in. Uh, I, I get the theory for sure because there there is there's a tendency to take a little bit of an edge off yeah. in the in the third and fourth round. But no. <laughs> but uh I, I still I, I still think that uh defensively mm-hmm. you're gonna see, I think to your point where we may see a, a lower scoring game from here the on. Things just get so tight, and, eh? and, and it and it does get tight. And these skilled players, they just need a moment, right, in a game. I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about the Toronto Maple Leafs when I asked the question, because you wonder if they get farther yeah. into things. Yeah. If it's not more, I, I do buy into the fact that uh, in you're shot out of a cannon in the first round, and it's just uh, even that second of, round. And then, do you remember Sam Bennett hitting David in. Camp to start Game One of that series? Like yes. it was a borderline assault, but it was perfect for Florida and just what they needed. And David Camp was a little; he played well in the series, but you know, you're looking over your shoulder, you get hit like that. So yeah, the pace just changes. You just can't play two months. I of, wish we had more time for Brian Burke. I know. <laughs> I, I, what did you think of that interview? I mean, I know we liked oh, it. He's but always uh, in any riveting, takeaways. Uh, riveting uh, uh, television and radio and yeah. podcasts now, and yeah, like he's he's done it. He yeah, interesting though that he he views the core four conversation so decisively that really there's not a ton to decide. Yeah. I, I just, just think wait. it's it's been I think it's way overplayed. If if any of those four guys have now a comfort zone. Because of a, a call from Brendan Shanahan, I think they're making a big mistake. I get his point, though, that, like, you know, you're saying that you need to shake it up. Well, Nylander's no trade isn't a no move. It's a no trade list of 10 teams. And if you want to trade a guy, you can do that just as easily down the road. I get that idea. I just, I personally have seen this team do this for so many years. I think I just want to see something different. I can't do this year again where we know, in November but, but, know that this core four but, is playing Tampa Bay. Would you, would you be a general manager or president that just says we, uh, different a, for different. A, cha- yeah. a, a change for the sake of making a change or I, would I know it that's have what to I'm be, asking for, but it's dumb. Would it, would it have to be knowing for sure that you're getting something different in a positive way that uh, advances your program. Yeah. A pal of mine, Sean McIndoe, wrote an article 
reviewing like five times that stars have kind of pushed for trades. Um, you know, like talking about like Kachuk, like we knew he was getting traded and what yes. the other teams get back. And because no one is good as those players, you usually get a few pieces back. And then, you know, let's say it's three pieces. And if not all three of them take, which they never do, then you end up with kind of two mediocre pieces. It always ends up looking bad. Always. Uh, Barry and... Uh, Barry and Kerfoot. And Kerfoot for Kadri. Like the idea is we plug two holes and Kerfoot's going to be Kadri light. You know, and it's like in the end you plug no holes. Right? Because you're getting well, guys who didn't work here for various reasons. But those are... You know, those are typically how these deals pan out. So, yes, I'm saying change for change's sake, but I don't want that to come back. So... All right, you couple, just can't please me. A couple minutes here. Uh, you think Laviolette ends up in uh, New York. There was also some talk about Patrick Waugh in New York. Uh, where do you see the Rangers going? It's Sheldon Keefe's name, too. Um, yeah, Laviolette in, in New York makes sense. I was like, wasn't he already there? But no, that was Elaine Vigneault. No, I can see Laviolette. We had him on our show, what, a month ago, three weeks yeah. ago, and he was yeah. tremendous. He knows this stuff in and out. He's got command of a room. He could handle the media there, no issue. Uh, it sounds like Spencer Carberry, of course, assist, associate coach with Sheldon Keefe, currently yeah. uh, is is garnering some interest as well. Yeah, coach of the year uh, in the AHL and Hershey, which is Washington's team. They need a coach. I I I can see that one happening. Carberry to Washington. A lot better than like the spotlight in New York. Yeah, I think you take that. You can't give it to Carberry. I yeah. don't think you know, make him a New York Rangers coach. That's that's a bit much of a jump. All right, just like that, our hour's up. What hole do you think Sammy's on right now? I've, if he's playing by himself, he's played 54 holes already. <laughs> Fastest player on earth. All right, our thanks to Brian Burke, who was fantastic. And uh, we're back tomorrow. Stay safe, everybody. Enjoy Dallas and Vegas tonight.